Welcome to The Unapologetic Woman. I'm your host, Pyle Berry. With over a decade of a blended experience in clinical psychology and global leadership development, I've dedicated my career and life purpose to empower women to believe I deserve a seat at the table and it's about damn time. But how do you create synergy between who you are and how you lead? On this podcast, we address that inner critic holding you back, release narratives that no longer serve you, and explore how to use your leadership platform to make an impact around diversity, equity, and inclusion. Simply put, I cut out the bullshit. I'm here to share inspiration, practical tips, and have challenging conversations with other badass individuals who are shifting the narrative for all women. So let's stop apologizing for who we are and rise together as the unapologetic woman. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of The Unapologetic Woman. I am really excited because I'm here talking to Kelly Jones, who is a virtual lawyer and the owner of Kelly Jones Law. And the reason why I think having Kelly on my show today is so important is because a lot of times as women who are building their own businesses, forget about some of the most critical parts about how to protect themselves, how to protect their business, how to protect their purpose and how to protect them. Because there's, you know, as much as we want to think about the good in people, there's a lot that can happen and you want to make sure that, you know, you take care of yourself. And as women, we tend to skimp on that. So Kelly, thank you so much for joining me and, you know, for being here, because I think that what you bring is so much value about, you know, supporting women entrepreneurs and making sure that they're truly set up. And I want to definitely dig into that, but I also want to know, you know, and what I love to do here is talk a little bit more about you as well, but first of all, just welcome. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. And, you know, as we get to know you, I want to, I want to ask you why one, did you get into law in the first place? And what about, you know, practicing law really got you excited that you find purpose and passion in it? And how come supporting women entrepreneurs is so important to you? Yeah. So as far as getting into law, it was kind of just like always on my radar, really, I guess, just from when I was younger as like an option or like a goal. So I think that's kind of how like it first started, you know, just like from my family and stuff. Then I did like all my like legal or law type of classes, like criminal justice classes and like high school and college and stuff. So that kind of like continued to lead me down that path. And then I really just kind of didn't know what else to do. So I was just like, okay, I'll go to law school. So I'm not kind of like the typical type who had a very strong, like, I want to be a lawyer. I can't wait for law school. I know exactly (laughs) what type of law I want to do. That wasn't really me. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But just, yeah. So I kind of just went. But that's, you know, something that I think a lot of people, you know, really, have to figure out for themselves is that not everyone has this like finely paved out defined pathway for themselves. It's through just, you know, learning about what interests me and everything that, and you, you fall into it sometimes, but then by falling into it, it really does set up the trajectory of where you find your passion. Yes, exactly. It's so interesting too, because I've worked for 
a couple different nonprofits. And then I worked for a litigation firm for a couple of years. And then now I'm out on my own since last summer. But there's so many different areas of law. And I didn't really find something that I liked doing and felt like really passionate about doing until now, like with my own firm. So, you know, it just goes to show that like you won't always find it right away, but that doesn't mean that you should like not, you know, you can still keep trying to find something that you like. I've heard some lawyers be like, oh, well, like, I don't like being a lawyer. I don't want to be a lawyer anymore. That's a very common thing that I hear. And in fact, when a lawyer does truly love being a lawyer, other lawyers look at them and be like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> yes, exactly. But it's like now I'm one of those people that love being a lawyer, but it's because mm -hmm. I found exactly what I really like doing. And like, I know I'm in the right spot now, but you know, it took me so many years to get here. <laughs> That's a really great point that you bring up about the fact that it may not necessarily be that the actual field and the work is something that doesn't resonate with us. It's how we're in our purpose doing it because you know, even in psychology, there are so many different types. There's social psychology, there's clinical, there's criminal, there's forensic. And if you're working with a population or a demographic that it just doesn't resonate with you, the immediate thought is, oh, that field is not for me. I'm not meant to be a lawyer. I'm not meant to be in psychology. And instead of taking that moment to realize like, well, you know, am I displacing that feeling onto maybe how I'm being, you know, the reaction that I'm having to the specific topic or area within the field? Or is it the fact that like, I truly generally do not like this field at all. And what I think is really great is that, you know, you worked in different settings and you were exploring that for yourself, but you found your passion in supporting women entrepreneurs. And through that, you really fell in love with law. Yeah. And it's, it's been so amazing because I was one of those people initially where I, there were times where I thought like maybe being a lawyer isn't for me or like, maybe I just, you know, like throw the whole thing away and start with something else. But now, you know, I kind of, I've realized that it was just the specific area of what I was doing and the type of people that I was working with and what I was doing every day. So, you know, before we move on to how you support women entrepreneurs and why that's so important, I want to ask you a little bit more about when you were working in these spaces and you were working in, you know, a very male dominated space as a woman lawyer, and there's a lot that is stereotyped around that. There's a lot of conditioning and bias that goes around with women that are working in that spaces because it's so challenging and hard, but I want to know what type of mindset did you have around it? Like what were your specific challenges and how did you overcome that for yourself? My experiences were, was definitely hard, especially in my last job where it was like, I was the only female attorney. Um, wow. and I was also going to court every day. There were some females there, but like, it was still very male dominated in court as well. So it was really hard. And, you know, it was just constant, like, things that would happen that wouldn't make me like realize it and notice it like just the way that you know judges or arbitrators or other male attorneys spoke to you or didn't acknowledge you at all and you know it was just something that like at some point kind of just like over the last three years the three years that I was at that job kind of just became like a normal like okay this is just how it is like this is what 
life is going to be like as a female lawyer in this industry. And so essentially by you being in that space and being the only woman in your team, even, and having to go to court and the way that you were spoken to actually had an effect on the way that you saw yourself and that you started to question who you are and your identity as a lawyer and started to kind of get quiet, which is exactly what, you know, the conditioning of society does to us in these spaces, because if a woman speaks up, how dare you? And, you know, how would you know as much, but how did you work through that? I mean, it was definitely really hard. And sometimes when certain things would happen at my job, like I did tell or talk to about it with like other coworkers or like once even the partners of my firm, it was definitely interesting because I think it was eye-opening to all of them kind of like my, how different my experience is than theirs. Although sometimes they also contributed to it, (laughs) but I think I, I, I mean, I just tried to like navigate it the best I could, but I do tend to be kind of more outspoken in saying like how I feel or saying if some, if I feel like that there has been a situation where I've been like mistreated or, you know, just something wasn't right. I am kind of the person that like, won't just like not say anything, but over time after being there, it did like get to be a point where like, it wasn't that important anymore. So then I kind of like did lose that a little bit. And then I kind of was like, okay, well maybe like, it doesn't matter that much or like, you know, this is, I just kind of started to accept it and accept that like, this was going to be how it was. And like, there was nothing I could do about it anymore. Um, and even like talking about it didn't really make a difference anymore. And it, it definitely made me more like frustrated overall on like a regular basis, which just like also doesn't contribute well to like, you know, anything when you're just like frustrated all the time and like burnt out of it. And that's really great that you have, that you have it in you to speak up and that you're not going to stay quiet about it and that you are going to share. And I'm sure that that was also, as you said, eye-opening for your colleagues to see. And, you know, as you're trying to navigate the space and you were still feeling like this is just not for me, do you think that being in, in an environment that was, you know, where you really had to keep advocating for yourself was exhausting. It definitely was exhausting because, you know, like these kind of things and situations would like weigh on my mind. So then I would be thinking about like, whereas my coworkers would just be thinking about work things all the time, I would have work stuff, but then I would be thinking about these situations all the time too. Or like how a federal judge, like asked me if I was married and, you know, like, in front of men and it's just like seemingly little things to other people but like it adds up when it's all the time and when it's noticeably different than how like you know the men are treated or how Mm -hmm. they act so yeah no absolutely I mean what you're really talking about you know and this is something that weighs really heavy on women is that besides just doing the work that you have to get done you're having to constantly manage your approach to things and how you're going to communicate it, how you're going to show up. And that's exhausting to have to go through. But at the same time, it's like, you know, that's where at some point enough is enough. 
and you're going to carve your own path. And so many women are building businesses because they want to be able to stand in their own worth and know that they can. But I can imagine that, you know, having gone through what you did and then transitioning over to building your own business, how much of that mindset of, I can't do this. Am I, am I able to do this? You know, should I be able to do this? Do I need other people to be a part of this? You know, all of those limiting beliefs that we go through, right. And feeling like an imposter at times and, you know, who am I to start a business? I mean, I definitely know that I've gone through that experience as well. And how was that for you? Like after you left your last job and you decided that I'm going to start my own business and I'm going to support women. What was that like for you? It definitely was a huge change. You know, I had thought previously, not really seriously about starting my own firm, but like the thought had crossed my mind, you know, before, but I didn't really think that I could do it. Or I figured like, okay, like, you know, starting a business is hard work, obviously. And, you know, it's money, time, effort. And I always talk to myself out of it. And I always like, just kind of put it on like the shelf of like, that's not for me, that's never going to happen. But then last summer in June, it was like the first week of June, I lost my job. I was let go because of COVID. Mm -hmm. And also because I'm the more outspoken one. So it was easier (laughs) for me. Which again, (laughs) you know, I want to, I want to really touch on that because you know, again, there's this narrative that if a woman is outspoken, she is challenging, she is difficult. But when that same characteristic is placed on a man, then he's confident, he, you know, is very determined. And we see that differently. And so even hearing you say that right now, I'm very outspoken. And that's honestly a trait that I share as well, is I'm very outspoken. How do you change that narrative from it being a weakness to actually looking at that as your strength? During the time that I was at that job for like three years, there were times where I kind of thought maybe it was a weakness and that like I should maybe stop doing this. And there was a time that I did, but then even like the last year that I was there, I kind of shifted, especially towards the end of that, like during COVID and everything. And I kind of just like went back to like understanding and knowing that like, this is who I am and I'm not going to not be outspoken. And that like, I think it's much better to be outspoken for things. And I view it as a strength in myself than to be someone who's just going to like tell people what they want to hear or only say like agreeable things or, you know, just be like, not talkative at all or anything. And like, that's just a trait I have. And I think it's a strength. And I think it's also part of what makes me a better lawyer, because I'm not willing to like, be quiet, basically. Yeah, well, I mean, what I'm really hearing is that, you know, and this is something that's also very true of business owners is that, you know, to start a business and to build something like you really need to stand true to you. And if you're looking outside for answers, a lot of times you're going to get disappointed or because no one knows you as well as you do. You're looking at these experts for like, you know, show me the way and okay, well, you know exactly what to do. So I'm going to stay quiet. 
And ultimately those end up becoming the biggest mistakes because you're not actually staying on track with what is true to your own vision and purpose. And, you know, of course you want to have mentors and and people around professionals that are going to help guide you in, Hey, okay, if this is where you want to go, you want to think about X, Y, and Z while you're making those decisions, but ultimately they empower you to make your own decision versus making it for you. So having those traits, you know, and shifting it from the fact that this is a weakness because it's, this is how it's being perceived by others or men, you know, or society, it's really transitioning into like, now that I'm building my own business, I'm a lawyer. And like you said, it's, it's benefited you as a lawyer, because, you know, when you are trying to protect someone, you want to be in integrity with what you are sharing with them. So I want to shift a little bit to the fact that now you run a business and you are a lawyer for women entrepreneurs. And what is it specifically about that, that makes you excited that, you know, that made you fall right back in love with law? Even before I started my own firm, I had already started connecting with a lot of uh, female entrepreneurs who are in, you know, many different industries because I kind of connected with them through Instagram because I've had my Instagram for a couple of years. And a lot of people that I knew from like fitness days and fitness events and stuff had shifted into like growing their own business in either fitness or something else. So I had already been connecting with a lot of them and I would kind of always want to be like, whenever I saw them going through situations, I would want to be like, oh, I want to I want to do something. I want to help you. Yeah. And then after I lost my job, that's when I kind of realized like, wait, I can actually help them and I can actually do something to help people. And so, yeah, I think it was just like seeing women build their own business and step out from, you know, having to like think that they needed to stay in a job in or you know, in a certain situation or circumstance that like, it just drew me so much to that because I just related to it so much. Wow. So really what you're doing is empowering women to be able to stand on their own two feet and to know that they are fully protected in what they want to build. And that, you know, there isn't just one path for them in corporate or nonprofit or whatever it was like reporting to somebody else that they really have, you know, an ability to take a chance on them, but do it in a way that protects them. So, you know, when you're working with women and trying to support them with um, legal, legal, blah, legalities, <laughs> what is the typical thing that you continue to hear about women? Where do they tend to like trip over themselves? Honestly, I think one of the biggest things is contracts, like not specifically not having one or not having like a in-depth enough contract like Mm -hmm. from a lawyer and I think the reason for this a lot of times at least is because as women I think it's at least more prevalent in women that like we want to kind of like trust the people we're working with we want to think like okay well we feel like drawn to this person we feel like they're our like ideal client or dream person to be working with and you know we feel aligned with this person so I don't think anything bad is going to happen so it's okay to either like not have a contract or use like, you know, a contract that isn't, they just got from Google or something that's not like fully vetted. Right. And then I see the downfall of that when obviously it doesn't happen all the time, maybe not even often, but the times that something does go wrong, sometimes it can be costly and of course, very stressful. So I think that's one thing where 
I notice it happens more with women that yeah. not having contracts. And do you think that part of that is also coming from where, when women are in this position of getting their ideal clients or just starting their businesses, they're just so happy to get those clients that they don't want to rock the boat or, you know, ask someone to sign a contract or they don't even, they don't even acknowledge it because they're just so excited about, let me just work with them. Yeah. I definitely think that that is the case. And I think, yeah, they also, yeah, they don't want to like inconvenience someone or send a contract that's too long even, or have it come off as like a negative energy or mindset because they're using a contract. So I kind of like try to empower people to tell them that like, Using a contract is like the best thing that you can do, not only for your business, but it protects that person as well. So really it's just like caring enough about you and the client to make sure that you're both protected. Really what you're doing is you're empowering their mindset as well around, you know, like you said that when women feel where I don't want to inconvenience somebody. And that's such a big part of it because again, you know, when we think about the way that women have been socially conditioned is that passive is your strength and, you know, letting others be in your space without asking permission for that space. So, you know, by asking for a contract and protecting the two, what you're really doing is, would you say changing the dialogue in their own minds around what it means to protect themselves, what it means to have a contract. And when they're thinking about the other client or the other person in themselves, like, would you say that you're doing a lot of like even mindset work with women that you're working with? Yeah, I definitely think so. Because I think it is shifting their mindset to like, okay, I am a strong CEO of a business. I am like taking control and you know, stepping into the power of doing exactly what I need to do to protect both parties and, you know, having a a more positive mindset about stepping into that role. It isn't negative or, you know, harsh to be doing that. It's really like strong and powerful, basically. I love that, you know, strong and powerful and really owning yourself. Like when you said that I am a CEO of a successful company, I mean, just saying that, like, you know, you feel the shift in the way that you see yourself. And when you say it over and over again, and, you know, even that, that shift, you know, like I know for myself, when I've sent a contract out to somebody, I always acknowledge it as this is just a way for us to make sure that we're on the same page and that there aren't any like room for miscommunication, please read it and come back with any questions that you may have. So that dialogue there, it allows the other person to know that, okay, this isn't just someone saying sign this contract and that otherwise, you know, there's a no-go, but it's really knowing that there's this, there's this partnership here that if we're going to work together, it's not about that. I am just serving you in the work that we're doing, but that we're, I'm showing up for you, but in order for me to show up for you, you have to show up as well. And I think it's like all in the way that you choose your words and how you express that. Yes, exactly. I do have people that say to me sometimes like, well, what if someone sends me a contract and like, you know, I don't agree with it. Or what if I send it to someone and they have a question, like they want to change something. And I'm like, that's fine. That's like negotiation. You can, you know, you should never feel pressured that like, just because one party has a contract, it means that those terms are set in stone and that, you know, Mm. you have to just do it and agree with them. Otherwise you can't work with them. It's, you know, it should be mutually beneficial to both of you. 
and you should be able to find some common ground. So yeah, I do try to talk a lot about like owning that, being able to communicate with the other person and never feeling like pressured into doing something too. That's really great that you brought up the piece about negotiation. Cause I know that that's also something that's very tough for women to accept is that, you know, they can negotiate. And sometimes, you know, women don't even consider that as an option. They think it's either it's an ultimatum of this or nothing. So how do you help women really see for themselves that, that there's an overcome the intimidation of negotiation? So I think I just try to like, talk about it a lot that it is, you know, it's like, it's a normal thing. It's, it shouldn't be scary. It shouldn't be intimidating either. And it just shows that like, you want to make sure that you're doing the best that you can for you and your business for the long run. And there's nothing wrong with that. And, you know, I talk a lot about like, just with how you show up really in a way that pretty much anything you do, you should not feel like pressured about things or like that you can't, you know, change something basically. Yeah, absolutely. Something that I think obviously as, as a mindset coach myself, it's really important is that, you know, there's no way that someone gets to that next position by themselves. They always have to have that support. And as you've said, you know, a lot of what you're talking about is the fact that you can support them around getting a contract. You can support them around negotiation. You can support them around a various multitude of resources in terms of their legal protection. But the other piece that's so important is that, you know, this is all technical stuff, but even to write that contract, even to put the words in there and say that, okay, well, let's create your contract. That's going, that you feel good about, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of work around limiting beliefs for this woman who, uh, this leader that's coming in and saying, well, is it okay for me to ask for this? Uh, You know, should I insert this? What if, you know, is this, does this sound too hard on the client? And so is this something that comes up one a lot? And, you know, when you're talking about that, because what I'm hearing is again, just that there's a technical piece to it, but that's like the easy part in terms of drafting something up, right? It's the, what do you want in there and how do you value yourself? That seems to be really the work that you're doing as a lawyer as well. Yes. And that is a thing that comes up too with like, well, should I actually say this? Or like, I don't know, I feel like uncomfortable leaving this in my contract or something. So yeah, there are clauses where we'll like talk about it and go over it. Specifically, there's like a, in a lot of contracts, there's like a warranty section that basically says like, there's no like guarantee that this website or this product or whatever is like free of error or omission or like it's complete basically. And I had a client say something to me like, well, I kind of feel like icky about having that in. And I'm like, yes, like I get that, but like you have to think about it in a way that makes sense to protect your business. And that language saying that it's, it might, you know, you're not guaranteeing that it is fully complete and error free because like one, what if you made like a spelling error or something? Like you have to leave room to cover yourself or like to give yourself grace. And also like things can change and you want to protect yourself if something that you had written in a product or website or whatever, like changed, you know, you don't want to be held stuck to something that is no longer true. So I think a lot of times it is talking through it with the person and explaining like why certain things are in there and why it's necessary 
to protect you um, or sometimes even also to protect the other person. So yeah, some clauses are like that. And I think also, you know, some people like they know they need contracts and they maybe even get a contract. But I do think sometimes that the actual either like customizing it to themselves or actually implementing it into their business is almost harder than getting it, Mm. you know, than the getting it piece because they like realize that, okay, like I am going to, you know, say all of this and put it out to the client and like feel good about it. And that can definitely be hard, especially, you know, I think also a lot of people just want to like, you know, make it easiest for the other person. They, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe they want to like please the other person too. Sometimes some people do. Um, and then, yeah, just like, no, you don't want to say some, some things that come up in contracts. It's a lot of like covering yourself in the event that a very, that something goes wrong, even though it's a very small percent of times that that could happen, but all the language is in there to protect you in those limited instances. But sometimes it can feel hard because some of it does feel a little harsh. So yeah, I think a lot of it is like explaining and getting someone to actually use the contract. That's so interesting. You know, I I'm curious to know that as you continue to support these women and you're building your own business and you know, you are a leader in your own space as well. How have you leaned on coaches or mentors to help support you as you continue to support your clients, because that's, that's also a big thing is that as women entrepreneurs, again, you know, we are so focused on output. And so how are you receiving and nourishing your own mindset and continuing to, you know, reevaluate the challenges that are coming up for you? So I've had like two different main like mentors. One is my uh, mentor, Sonia. She actually is a trademark lawyer and she helps other attorneys start their own business. So she is who I found back in June of last year. And she's the reason why I had the courage to start my own business. And she is amazing. She's like in her mid thirties. She's a woman of color. She left her job and built her like amazing, huge, successful business. And she spends like all of her time encouraging other attorneys that they can do the same thing, specifically female attorneys. Without her, I'm not sure that I would have had the courage to take the leap or at least not as soon as I did. Um, And she's just always, you know, sharing everything with us and really lifting us up through the entire process and celebrating our wins. And I could not be any more grateful to her for that. So yeah, she's amazing. And then I do have another business coach that um, I work with also, Dulce, who is also amazing. And it's funny because I've actually, I was working with her when I was a fitness entrepreneur. So now I'm just working with her again, but for like a different completely reason. different job. Yeah. Yeah. And she supports me this entire time with my business and has helped push me to continue through my business, even with like the ups and downs of Mm -hmm. just, you know, being a business owner. So it sounds like, you know, not only are you getting some support around like business strategy and just how to, you know, uh, show up in your own business, but really you're also getting the support of two women that have successfully set themselves up that can show you how to address some of those 
mindset thoughts that may come in, you know, around doubting yourself or feeling that, you know, I can take that next step. And they're really helping you see that, like you have everything within yourself to do it. Yes, absolutely. That's amazing. That's so great. I want to ask you, you know, with having their support and with the way that you are, you know, falling more in love with the work that you're doing and the way that you're supporting these women, what is that transformation that you see in your clients that when they first start to question the way that they should be using your services and they probably come in more from that place of like, great, I need a contract. That's what we're going to work on. But I'm curious too, what is the transformation after they've worked with you and what do you end up hearing from them? A lot of times I hear from them that they just feel like more confident in their business. They feel more secure. They have that peace of mind that they don't have to like worry as much because if something goes wrong in, you know, in the hopefully never happen event, that something goes wrong, they are protected. So it's kind of like one less thing on their plate to worry about. You know, they've said too, that like, they feel more confident and more professional having like a, like complete contract that they're using in their process now. Amazing. So what would you say are the two to three things that people get told that they should do when they build a business and when they're thinking from the legal perspective, but it's not necessary. And that it's something that they should think about later, but what are the, yeah. So what are the two to three things that are like, this is what you really need. Anything else that you hear, someone's just trying to scam you. (laughs) It definitely depends on what type of business you have. Cause I think they're kind of, and that's also the thing. Like I think the best thing that you can do for yourself as a new business owner really is have like a consultation with a lawyer who can sit down and tell you what things you need in your business like sooner and what things can come further down the line. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think one big thing that, you know, some lawyers say is that like, okay, you need all your legal stuff right away. But I think what I like to say is that let's come up with a timeline of when you need things because you really don't need every single contract right away in your business. Like you could buy my bundle of contracts when you start your business. And if you can afford it, great, but you, you don't need it right away. Like some of those you might not need for six months. You might not need for a year. It completely depends on your individual business and you know what you're doing in it. I also always encourage people to like message me before they're thinking of like buying a contract template or something, because maybe you don't need what you think you need, or, you know, maybe you need something different or something less. And, you know, we can come up with that. So a lot of people, when you're starting your business, like we don't have thousands and thousands of dollars to spend on absolutely everything. So yeah, I think it's like figuring out what you need for your business. And for the majority of people, what that looks like is your client contract, whether it is you know, you're a coach and you need one for like a coaching agreement, or you might be like the independent contractor for someone's business, um, like some type of freelancer, then that kind of contract, but basically the contract to work with whoever you're serving is like your number one priority. And then I would say, start with that first. And then once that is set, then think about the other things and, you know, everything is so dependent in law. Like a lawyer's favorite saying is it depends. 
And that's really <laughs> because like, it all really depends on what business you have and like right. the risk level of your business. But I think a lot of people also think like, okay, I'm about to start a business. Let me go buy my LLC right now. And right. you might need it right now, but you also might not. Like in some instances, I might tell you that like getting your client contract, like putting the money to your client contract is better than getting your LLC at this very moment in your business because so many factors go into it. So I think client contract is always my number one and kind of everything else is like, let's figure it out and you don't have to jump into everything right away. Yeah. You know, and and that's really, that's really great advice because, you know, you may actually realize that I remember actually, I went through this process with my lawyer and when we talked about it, is that, is it really, you know, in my mind it was, oh yeah, of course get an LLC. And they actually helped me realize how an S corp was a better option for me. Mm -hmm. And I would have never known about that. And so, and what that meant for me. So working with somebody who really understands you and they can inform you based off of your specific business is very critical. And so, you know, I think that the work that you're doing is so powerful because, you know, it really is empowering women from not just a place of getting yourself just the the pillars of your business started, but you're really helping them feel that like, I deserve this. I'm valuable. And me moving into this isn't a hobby. It's not a, you know, me just doing it because I don't know what else I'm going to do. It's Mm -hmm. truly putting a, you know, fork in the ground saying that, no, I'm claiming this space and it's mine. And if you're going to work with me, it's going to be on these terms. So in terms that I feel comfortable with, where I can take ownership over me. So I think that's incredible in your journey as well. And in, you know, coming from a space where you were figuring out how do I see myself as a, as a strength and, and, you know, I hear that a lot about lawyers that just don't, they just don't like it. You know, they just feel like they're in this, they're being put and dragged into a situation that just doesn't feel comfortable to why they eventually even first of all, went into the practicing law. And I think that's really admirable that you found the space and you're really uplifting other women. So I want to ask you, when you think of an unapologetic woman, what characteristics, what comes to your mind? I think just being like authentically yourself um, and stepping into everything you are and, you know, owning everything that you are and not, you know, not minimizing any of it and not apologizing for who you are. I think that's really great. It's just really being authentic and, you know, feeling comfortable in your own skin about who you are so that, you know, and, and I'm sure that even when you see that work and when I see that with my clients that are leaders and they they're running businesses is that, you know, there's always going to be a roadblock that's going to come in the way. There's always going to be a challenge. No one is cured of, you know, limiting beliefs or challenges, but what they can do is really understand how to manage it better and how to overcome certain situations so they can continue to grow. And what you're offering them is really that space for them to feel confident, to be their authentic self and to have their voice out there in a way that they can trust that, you know, this is truly who I am. Who has been that for you as you built your business? I know you mentioned these two other women, but when you think about an unapologetic woman, you know, who is that for you that's helped you shift your mindset as you are 
growing your business? You know, I think really it has been those two women because they both built very different businesses, but they both built it exactly how they want to be. And I think Mm. that really helped me do exactly what I want to do. Um, And Dulce specifically, her and I talk about this a lot. Like if I don't feel comfortable doing something, you know, one way, it's really helped me build my business and do it exactly the way I want to do. Um, And, you know, step into sometimes saying like, the unpopular opinions or like polarizing things in the online space. So yeah, I think she's really, she's modeled that in her business and helped me step into it in mine. Yeah, Kelly, it's been such a joy talking to you and getting to know more about why you're so passionate about supporting women and the way that you do it and how you empower them. And, you know, a lot of what I'm hearing also, like, you know, what these two women have done for you sounds like you're really doing that for others. And so I just want to thank you for that. And thank you for being on the show. And I want, I want to let the audience know, like how, you know, of course it's going to be there on the show notes, but I want them to hear from you. Like, how can they best connect with you? Yeah. Thank you so much for having me too. So the best way is probably through Instagram. My handle is at lawyer Kelly with an I underscore or through my website, that's Kelly with an I at joneslaw.com. Fantastic. Thank you again, Kelly. I've had such a great time talking to you and I can't wait for everyone to hear, you know, all these tips and strategies and mindset that you have on being an empowered woman and empowering women in law. Yes, definitely. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to The Unapologetic Woman. If you like what you heard today, then please subscribe so you'll get real-time updates when I post a new episode. And if you really believe that others should be hearing this, then leave a rating or review this episode so others can find it too. And if there's something you'd really love for me to cover or highlight, then head over to my Instagram account at Pileberry. DM me to let me know. I'm all ears. If you want free resources, practical tips, and inspirational stories that I share with my clients, visit pileberry.com and subscribe to my newsletter. You'll get them all. Until then, take a moment to celebrate your journey, reflect, and be ready to embrace your next epiphany.